Welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. That's me. And Larry Korea. It's the Flying Elvis's Utah chapter. Today's episode, edited with Christine Nielsen. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Writer Dojo. Glad to have you all back with us today uh, in our... In our endless stream of uh, Las Vegas interviews at 20 Books, we've, we've gotten some, some pretty cool guests so far. Um, and we ran into a friend of ours who, who happens to be local to us back in Utah. But, you know, we, we just get together when we're out of state, apparently, instead yeah. of in state. Um, so we've got Christine Nielsen here with us. Um, now, some of you listening in it, who, who are in the dojo listening, that name is very familiar to you. Because, like, she's working on your stuff. Yeah. Um, be nice. Uh, so, Christine, amongst many things that you are, um, some of which we'll handle on some other episodes, uh, you're an editor. I'm an editor. So, how about, let, let's start with you talking a little bit about yourself, introducing yourself to the listeners, and explain how you kind of got into editing and, and what it is you do. Editing is, I know for a lot of authors in particular uh, who are new to the industry, editing seems like it's a very broad category. And it really is. I mean, it's everything that happens with your book after you finish drafting it, right? All those phases afterward. So I got into editing. My background is that I, uh, I taught English and karate at a private high school in Utah for f- over 15 years. So I was very specifically teaching with an emphasis in writing and the writing process in both nonfiction and fiction writing um, and walking, you know, students through all phases of the writing process. And from there, um, you know, this was partly a COVID decision, but if anybody's read The Dip by Steve Godin, he talks about if you were going to be in the top 1% of any field, what would that be? And I read that and, I'm, and it was editing. It's working with writing. It's helping especially newer authors, newer writers um, work with their manuscript to the point of achieving their that publication dream, whether it's indie or trad pub. But it's, it's really bridging the gap between the author and the reader. So in a way, you're a bit of an, an anomaly in this because... Most of us who, who are authors, and you're an author as well. Yes. Um, most of us who are, who are authors, we're, we're just like, no, no, no. We want nothing to do with editing. Please, please, Lord, someone do this for us. E- editing, is, uh, editing is work. Writing is fun. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty common feeling amongst a lot of us. It's, and it's, it's not even that a lot of you feel like editing is work. It's, it's almost this like, okay, so where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. Because you've written the story, and in your mind, that story, it, it matches what's in your head, right? You hope it does, anyway. And then editing is someone taking a look at it and saying, okay, well, you know, let's finish pulling what's in your head and putting it into the story because of the way that this is translating to the reader. So editing is a very broad category. Like, it involves a lot of potential steps. Um, steps which are necessary or not necessary based on the actual skill set of the author to, to start with. Um, so yeah, there's, there are manuscript evaluations, which is probably the lowest level. It's the simplest thing to do. So let's start with that. Okay. Let's start with that. Manuscript evaluation. What does that entail for the average reader? Here, 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 here's, here's the reason for all of this, for all the listeners out there. When Larry and I started the podcast, a lot of it was to demystify being an author 
because we're like, guys, just just chill. It's okay. You can do this. It's cool. It's not it's not as complicated as people make it out to be. Right. And and I mean, I've known I mean, I've known Christine for the for more than a decade. Um, Larry about the same. And and so we, in during all that time, I mean, we've talked about editing I mean, all the freaking time. Yeah. We end up talking about it at some point or, or another in every conversation. Well, this is actually really valuable because we have a lot more authors on the show, pure authors, than we have people who are editors. And so this is actually good. So we'll probably quiz the ke- quiz the heck out of you. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 <laughs> but the whole point of this is is you're you're a great person to, like, like, with, like with what we do for Demystifying the Writing, like you can d- help demystify a lot of the editing for, for so many authors, for so many of our listeners. And so, so let's start with the, the manuscript evaluation. So uh, a manuscript evaluation is a very good way to get an overview of exactly where your manuscript, manuscript sits when you finish it. How much editing does it need? Does it need developmental? Does it need content edit? What does that look like? So it's an overview of the entire story. It's a breakdown, a very thorough breakdown of all the major uh, story elements, plot, theme, tropes for your genre, character arcs, uh, world building and magic systems, I, you know, because I work in fiction. Um, so it's, and it's, it's the least costly. So if you don't know what to invest in for edits, because some of those edits you're looking at um, for standard rates, you're looking at over $3,000 for mo- most average length novels to get a content line edit or a, a full developmental edit. So manuscript evaluation can give you a very good idea of what your manuscript actually needs. And it's a good way to, to get a gauge of like, what is your skill set as an author? Are you better with story or are you better with prose? And where do you need an editor to kind of fill in that gap for you? Yeah, see, that's really interesting. I, I, I think especially with with indie authors being so much more prevalent now and, and that being such a, a path to success for so many people, one of the biggest questions is, well, like, what, what do I got to do for an editor and how much am I going to pay for it? So, okay, so you said, so for, for your, your, your typical line edit and all that stuff, I mean, for a good editor, expect 3K-ish. You, you, there are... S- we, I mentioned this to you earlier in the conference, but there is um, there are some groups, professional organizations, and one of those is the Editorial Freelancers Association, and they do publish a standardized rate sheet. Oh. And you can you can look at that rate sheet on their website and get an idea of what your edits might cost based on the the length of your manuscript. See, and and this was interesting to me because you said when we were talking about it, you're like, oh no, it's just it's just by the word. You know, it, the length of your manuscript by word, if it's, if it's, you know, for, for this, it's five cents a word for that. It's seven cents a word for blah, blah, blah. For, for a, a general manuscript evaluation, say a hundred thousand word book about what's a person going to be out of pocket for someone who's good. It is going to start at about seven fifty. Okay. For someone who, yeah, that's, pre- and that's pretty standard. I mean, even compared to other editors in Utah, that is Manuscript evaluations are not actually listed on the the rate sheet. That has been something that has been added by other editors as some just to help authors afford 
um, a place to begin, essentially. So they're not going into the process blind as to how much work it's going to take to, to, to get it up to standard. Right. And, and up to standard is, is based on what their goals are. And sometimes, um, when I'm working with an author, part of that process with that evaluation is what is it, what is your goal with this manuscript? Mm -hmm. Is it indie publishing? Is it trad publishing? Are you doing it just to, to cross something off your bucket list? Gotcha. Yeah. And then, so if they, well, I, you know, I want to be successful. What a, Let's define what that means. It's interesting because actually, I was actually one of our episodes we recorded here at the uh, conference was with Rick Bartlow about what does it mean to be successful and defining what you want. And that's interesting too. You bring that up because there are different goals to publishing. Um, obviously, most of the people who listen to the Writer JoJo, the goal is to, you know quit my day job, write books all the time, and make lots of money. Um, which is different though than I want to like put this thing together just for my own personal thing and sell some copies to my kids or some people like if they're starting out they they can't afford $3,000 to do that. But at least if they have the developmental side, they at least know what they're lacking and to go work on it. Yeah. And a manuscript evaluation can give you very similar information to a developmental edit. It's just not digging into the manuscript itself, but it deals with a lot of the same, those bigger pieces. And, and part of that, success and well so part of you talked about the money invested in editing the reality is depending on what genre you write the fans might not really care about your punctuation that much that's true um and and maybe you're good with the prose and you just need someone to help you find you know the the little piece the stories the pieces of the story that need to maybe be moved around or expanded or i call them opportunities here you have a character here's a situation you fall short of maximizing this opportunity that you've sort of fed into the story. Um, you know, it could be an emotional opportunity, a character arc oppo- opportunity, a, a plot opportunity, but um, that's what that overview will do. So then that it helps you decide for your goal and for your definition of success, how much more money do you need or want to invest in your manuscript to get to that point? Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of indie authors who, uh, who could really use this. Well, <laughs> and but, but stares off into but the to distance. Be, but for to a be minute. frank, there are there are a not insignificant number of trad off, traditional authors that that could benefit from from that as well. Just to, to well, get them to get them up to a point where it's like, man, I can now submit this, and it's. And it's so much better than it was well, before. Well, speaking, speaking from the side of the guy who's been around for a long time, you, you need less editing as you get experience, but you always need editing. Yes. Uh, and there's the running joke about authors who become too big to edit. Um, and you can honestly tell when you see that. And it's usually a pride mm-hmm. thing. And you'll read the book, and you get th- these two pointed each other as I said that. <laughs> yeah. We had this we conversation, had this conversation yesterday. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, well, there's like different authors who are very famous. I don't want to single anybody out, but like they're very, very successful. So they could blow their nose and sell the tissue, and somebody's going to publish it and make a million dollars. But you read the actual book, and it's just oh, like they screwed stuff up. They like they left stuff on the table. They dropped the ball in places. Like they they had a train of thought and they forgot it. And you could see that, but it's just they're too big to edit, so no one cares. You know, Tom Clancy he, later on in his famous career, famous for that, famous for that, because some of his later books were just um, 
Bloated messes. Bloated messes that really yeah. could use an editor. Uh, Stephen King. Uh-huh. You know, and every time I bring him up, I get yelled at. But that's okay. But it's true because as his career has gone on, his books have gotten to be more meandering. Well, and e- even even you know guys like Stephen Erickson, who who you know I, who you guys oh, you're know huge, I love yeah, so much. Steve's a huge fan. Um, he he doesn't get edited near as much anymore. He he has one very specific alpha reader who who's basically an editor who goes through and gives him feedback. But and, and this is what Christine and I were talking about uh, earlier in the conference is that a lot of this comes down to it's a financial decision for a lot of these authors. It's like, you know what? Yeah, we could, yeah, we can spend 5,000 or however much time it is to edit this book. And it doesn't matter. His fans don't care. It, and it, you d- again, it depends on who your audience is. Yeah. Because you're, you're more general. I, I talk about, you know, the bulk of human beings have an average IQ. If you're writing to uh, in a genre that is popular with, the majority of human beings of readers, you probably don't have to nitpick a lot of like, how do I punctuate a dialogue tag? Or are they going to fuss that, you know, I didn't follow the laws of physics in a fight scene. One of my pet peeves. Clearly uh, a lot don't. Yeah. We, we can, <laughs> we can both name probably some of the same ones. Yeah. Um, that's actually an interesting thing is, is cause a lot of people tend to think of editing as a binary. It's like a, it's like a yes or a no. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, well, you always need it. It's well, yeah. Artistically, I think it always helps. Business-wise, it doesn't always help. Right. But sometimes, business-wise, it really does. Uh, where, where our last interview, we were talking to to Steve Boyer, but he's talking about like on KU, how the way the algorithm works. If people like will read the first, you know, fifteen twenty percent of a book and then stop, it actually hurts. Uh, how much that book. So if you have a poorly written, poorly edited, poorly put together first 20 you know pages and your reader on the KU drops off, all of a sudden it's costing you money. Yeah. I, editing a clean, clean copy, smooth writing because content edits, line edits will help smooth out some of that writing so the reader doesn't get pulled out of that scene. Mm-hmm. That will give your, your manuscript, your book, a longer shelf life, right? It might do hot right out of the gate but then you might see those dropped reads, people dropping um, out of the book because it just gets to be enough where it's like, I am no longer enjoying this because I'm running into so, I'm tripping over so many things in the story that well, it's like, I'm, I'm good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something that I get to actually sit down and, and enjoy. Well, and, and so many readers, to go back to, to an earlier point you made, so many readers don't, don't care or can't diagnose what it is about the book that's that's bouncing them, you know. But something is bouncing them. They know something's wrong, but they're not like, oh well, it's because it's because according to the three act structure, they're not doing the blah 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 blah. No, they're just like, I don't know. This part was icky. It's just they're, they're, it's just it's just sloppy or something. I don't know. Yeah, for and me, that it's bounces like, them. It's, I'm in book four, and the plot is exactly the same as books one, two, and three. And I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm done. And it's a six or seven book series. And I'm like, I have the, the, the author has failed <laughs> in this expectation. Yeah, we know, where the, we know where this is going now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, um, I want to go into the, the kind of the further pieces of editing, going kind of deeper down the rabbit hole from the, from the, eval- the manuscript evaluation part. All right, we'll be right back. 
Santa's cat, the gingerbread cat, has been around as long as Santa and knows a few things. A magical cat, he's one of Santa's oldest and most important helpers. So when Ginger tells the elves a story about one Nikolai Kristofferson and his involvement with the Magi at the first Christmas, there's more in the story that we How did Kristofferson find the anointed child? What is his relationship to Santa? And how did the gingerbread cat help? The Gingerbread Cat by Stephanie Osborne and Tiffany Gray. Available on Amazon now. Pick up your copy today. All right, everybody, welcome back. Okay, so in the top half of the episode, we, we, we started with the manuscript evaluation. I'm curious, though, from, from your point of view, Christine, where is the differentiation between that and then the, like a, um, like that, that next little step down that you were talking about? The developmental edit? The developmental edit. edit. One of the main differences is whether you're working in the manuscript or not. Mm. So, and, and it's the level of investment from the editor, right? So for a manuscript evaluation, I will read through the story one time. Summarize all the notes of all the parts. Like I take careful notes and it's a close reading, but it's, a, it's one time through and there, I don't touch the manuscript itself. So for a developmental edit, you read, you, you, for both the developmental and content line edits, I go through a manuscript at least two and a half times. So I do a full read through to get an overview, to, under, like, to start working on, okay, this is what the story needs, all of that. And then, then it's going through again and it's marking in the manuscript, making notes, potentially moving chunks of the story around into new loca- locations. Sometimes I pull the story out and enter it. And like, um, I do use plotter, like I will enter it out into that software so that I can work with the author on moving scenes around to where they will probably be more effective as far as those emotional beats go or like combining scenes. And then we can go into the manuscript and actually move the parts around. So developmental edits, you just, you just, that's where you really get your hands dirty in the story. Okay. And then, okay, let, let's assume that you, you have an author they go through, they, they want the, they want the, the, that, that developmental edit, they go through it at that point thereafter. Do you then get as the editor, do you, do you then get a subsequent request? Like, okay, sweet. I want line edits now. Or do they tell you up front, like, Hey, I need developmental and line and the moon and please There's make me a bestseller. The stars <laughs> make me a bestseller. Yeah. Well, Hmm. Um, I can, I can definitely speak to market tropes within genres, but so you talked about where after that manuscript evaluation, maybe even after developmental edit, I look at a couple different things. One of those in particular is what are the author's strengths? What is the author's skill set? How, what can they do themselves effectively versus what it would be worth it to them to spend money on as far as my time? So that's, and that's a discussion between the two of us. It's like, hey, let's look at what the story needs for, for it to get from point A to point B or C or wherever its you know, final destination is going to be. And some authors are going to have a lot better instinctual grasp on that, even if they're untrained, than others. Yes. So some, some authors are better. Th- so I think one of the biggest struggles that I do have is authors being honest 
about what they are good at. And, and, and it is, it's a decision, you know, are you going to be good at it and do it yourself or accept that it's not going to be at top level, um, or pay for it. Right. Because you guys, accountants, you know, math, most books will not earn back that cost of editing. Correct. Most of them will not. And I've, I'm pretty upfront about that with my author's like, okay, so this is where your book's at. This is what it's going to take to get it to where you want it to be. Let's talk about your skill set and my skill set. Um, and then you need to make a decision about where you're going with this, right? So if you're, so like a recent project that I worked on, if you're submitting to a publisher, you don't need to spend money on a lot of line edits and proofreading and copy editing. That's because a, that's a def, that's a waste of everybody's time. That's a really good point because we didn't bring up because we've been talking about like hiring your own freelance editor as opposed to guys if you are selling it to a publishing house, they're supposed to do this for you. Do not spend your own money on it to submit it to a publisher. Well, and, and every editor at those publishing houses, Bain, Tor, Da, well they don't exist. Um, whoever anymore. Those that shall not those be that named. Shall not be, uh, their editors, like they have, they have their own style of editing mm-hmm. and, and they're going to want to put their stamp for lack of a better term on your manuscript. So, or, or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. And they take credit of it. Sure. But, but the, <laughs> but you know, if you spend a whole bunch of money doing line edits, I mean, there's a really good chance they're just going to undo a bunch of those line edits that you just paid for. Absolutely. Yes. So. They're, and they're guaranteed to undo them. Yes. And every time you make a change in a manuscript, you are possibly introducing new errors. So there's a point where you just got to stop playing with the thing and submit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're, if you're going traditional submission, then I wouldn't even mess with a uh, freelance edit unless I'm... Unless I'm way off base and I'm missing something here, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't see the uh, the financial reason to do so. I do, I do think that a manuscript evaluation and possibly a developmental edit or some coaching. So just could looking help for like a ma- like, like big structural issues. Yeah. Before you submit, so that what you're submitting is a good story, and it and that and so that it's relatively clean, right? Yeah. But yeah, you're going to submit it and then go through. I don't even know how many rounds of edits with. Oh, so when you're first starting out, a bunch usually. Yeah. Well, once again, depends. Yeah, we know it really depends. Yeah, we know some editors that are really lazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, or or editors that are on the opposite side of that, where they're they're like over intrusive. Uh, super meddlesome. We've known some, yes. and you, I know you know some of the same authors that uh, have heard some of the same horror stories. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, where the the editor was, I'm basically going to rewrite this entire book in my image. Yeah, I I have heard the same ones over and over again like th- that never dies those those horror moments live on much longer than the good ones <laughs> yeah. yeah it's 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 always uh, i don't know editorial is super rough because as the author um i always want my book to be better right like like if if you're ever at the point where you're like no this book is super perfect it, nothing could ever make this book better Man, shove your ego aside. Like, it can always be better, but there also comes a point where it's like, man, just leave my book alone at this point. It's fine. It's good. I don't need good to glad. If you want to make it good to great, we can have that discussion, but I don't want good to glad. Like, I, 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 at a certain point, I just stop caring. Um, 
Well, a good editor, in my experience, a good editor is almost invisible. Like, like you can't tell that they were edited. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, and that's and that as a key. That's that's the mark of a really quality editor. If you go to a writer and you say, "What did your editor do for you?" and they they can describe it, but they can also describe it in a way that uh, they're they're not taking over. They're not bossing you around. They're helping you smooth out and correct your artistic vision. Yeah, it's your story. The story belongs to the author, and that's a good editor will know that. Like, okay, so I this is what I think you're trying to do in this scene. This is how it's coming across. This is how I think, you know, you might be able to make a change that would help this be clearer to the reader. Um, and you you mentioned another thing, um, that the, the editor should be invisible. Um, and we really should be. Like, I don't even care if I'm in your acknowledgments. Like, it doesn't matter. The, the point of it all is that when a reader gets into your story, they stay there. Mm-hmm. That there's not something that they trip over that pulls them out. And that's the goal. Yeah, that's why I think it's funny. At one point, um, the awards added, you know, the, the various award things. I won't get into that. But they added best editor. And I was like, that's kind of a... Weird, it's a weird award. It's a weird award In because where I was the I was Utah editor of the year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means. But you know what I mean, though. It's because it's like, I mean, if it's something where the authors can like have feedback and vote, right, makes sense because the author knows. The author says this person has sent me this. But if it's something that the fans, the readers, are voting on, they have they shouldn't even know. How do you know? Yeah. So our, I the, liked this book. Therefore, therefore the editor is great. The bestest. For all you know, the editor made it worse, or or the editor didn't Very do possible. anything, or had no involvement. I mean, you know. And, and so that that that's that's a weird one to me because like ideally, it, 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 I hate to say this because like once it goes about going back to be invisible, it, it's like you just take care of the problems, and so the reader never knows there were problems. Correct. And, and yeah, so I, I it's like yeah. being. Um, Voted best uh, best janitorial because like you <laughs> because know. things are clean and yeah. the trash is taken out. You right. Know? <laughs> I think yeah. I got it for mentoring other editors new in the field. Okay, so now that makes perfect sense. That I get. I remembered what what you talked about that the book should read as if it was never edited, right? So I had a moment. I really enjoyed this. I edited a, edited a novella for actually an actor, and I was down at his another book launch down in California, Santa Monica. And we were all having, it was fantastic. Not going to lie. It was pretty cool. Um, (laughs) Kind of, yeah, kind of bougie. Yeah, nice. There was wine, all that stuff. and Just um, like Vegas. (laughs) Except not as dirty. Except not dirty. (laughs) Um, So I was talking to this this author, and I was talking to some of, of his friends, and they I said, yeah, I edited his um, his novella, and I said he hired me specifically because they, he had a gun in there and didn't know. I mean, just so you guys know, he he had a magazine and a revolver, so that's oh, where no. we started. <laughs> and and, the, and I this was a major moment of pride for me when one of his friends said, "There, I didn't see there was nothing wrong with any of the gun stuff in that book," and I was like, "Thank you." There you go. <laughs> that is like a huge compliment. He's like, right. "Yeah, there was there was not even a hitch." I'm like, there, there you are. That is an editor's job. I feel like to me, that is the epitome of that's perfect. That is, that is an editor's job. Yeah. And for the record, Christine knows guns. 
So, I do. Yeah. I love guns. She does. More than know them. And that's <laughs> that's coming from me saying that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Um, and that's actually really cool because there's sometimes where there are editorial blind spots where you will read a book and you're like, you know this book was edited. Yet, obviously this editor didn't, you know, didn't catch this or didn't do their homework or just didn't know any better. Because editors are just, they're human just like the authors and we don't know what we don't know. Right. And I, I think it's up to the editor to be honest you know, I have made comments because I do end up editing a lot of sci-fi. Um, and one recent manuscript evaluation I did was for a, a kind of a milita- military sci-fi, but like soft military. Um, and I I made, there were, con- I was very direct about, okay, I've never been in the Navy or a space Navy. And if I don't know You've how. You've never been in a space Navy? I've never been in this. What? I know, Steve, my hopes and dreams. <laughs> You guys got to help me make those connections. David I want Weber someone is, who will recruit me for David the space Weber Navy. is so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it, I think it's important when, it, so I made comments because it, who is your readership? I am maybe not the target audience, but it's a soft enough military sci-fi. If you're trying to reach a more general audience and you want the reader to not be confused, then I'm like, okay, here's a term. I'm not entirely sure what this term means. If it's correct, ignore this comment from someone who's maybe not an expert, you know, with that vocabulary set, this could maybe use a little bit of explanation. You know what I mean? And I I can't provide it for you because I don't know what's missing other than all I can tell you is I don't know what this means. That's a really, that's a really interesting point because I, I, you know, Tony, Tony Weisskopf has edited most of my stuff and Tony's Congratulations. Yeah. She's one of the best (laughs) of the best. And she's, Tony's a legend. There have been places where it's something that I know that Tony doesn't Mm -hmm. where she'll flag it. She's like, I'm assuming you know what you're talking about on this. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. But there has been one, like one time we, we throw, we threw down over internet slang and I was, it was pwn, P-W-N, because oh, yeah. <laughs> somebody got pwned. I was like, that's kind of old. But it, well, well, it is now. It, it is now. Yeah. I've been writing the series for 15 years. And so this is ancient internet times. But at the time, but I, but I was like, it was, it's, it's, I, no, it's just, she thought it was own. I was like, nope, it's pwn with a P. And she's like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, trust me, Tony, that's correct. And so we actually <laughs> threw down over that because she was like, no, editorially, that's horrible. I was like, Tony, he's an internet troll. That's what he's going to say. He's literally a troll. <laughs> literally a troll on the internet. And um, but it's interesting. I think I think a part of being an editor is just like being a writer. It's that humility of recognizing what you do and do not know. Because we, me and Steve, we're going to think of the same editor when I say this. A certain big New York editor. Um, the, deep breath. Deep it's breath. funny because Steve just took, you guys can probably hear on the microphone the deep breath Steve took because he knows exactly the guy I'm talking about. This is a dude who thinks he knows everything guy. about every topic. Uh, he does not know anything about most topics and it comes through in the work that he edits. Yeah, it does. He, he will, this man has edited wrongness into books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, I, he's, he's, he's literally made books worse by putting in incorrect information that he's so sure is correct yeah dunning kruger baby because of pride it's pridefulness it's pridefulness and it's so the bottom line is the story belongs to the author yeah the story does not belong to the editor and it's i've i've actually had my own work edited by someone um that it was horrible like they had never been i have a seen on a beach right it's like post-apocalyptic these they crash on a beach 
and she does not know what beach sand. She did not not know what beach sand felt like, and she was correcting my description of beach sand. Huh. And I'm like, I don't even. What do I do with this? <laughs> I mean, ignore it, obviously. But it's like, what? What happened was she completely. Um, nothing else she said in the entire manuscript meant anything to me. Oh, you lose. As soon as you Her credibility get, was as, gone. Yeah, as soon as you yeah. get an edit or a series of edits where you're like, dude, you have no idea what you are talking about. Like well, that that editor completely loses credibility. Yeah, and the thing is, if you, and it's totally different if you're freelance and you're choosing to work with that individual versus if you're assigned to them by your publishing house. Yeah. So freelance, you're like, mm, okay, so this isn't working out, you know, and then you move on with life. Uh, if it's not, and you're in a contractual obligation, that's when you get, uh, that's, that's when it gets sticky. That's when you get angry. Honestly, I think, this, going back to the freelancing, this is why I think it's so important that you do your homework before you hire an editor. Just like you would hire anything else, uh, whether it's, um, whether it's, your, you know, your proofreader, your cover artist, your, uh, you know, your, your layout, whatever it is you're hiring, I think it behooves us to do our research. Um, do you have any advice for people as far as choosing an editor? I like how how would you go about it? Right, like, choosing me. an editor. I, I always well, obviously. <laughs> Come on, guys. You know what though? I wouldn't say that because there are things I actually don't want to edit. But see, but see, that's important to know. It is important, and to that's know. important because I've been edited before by a person who obviously did not like and did not understand my genre. Yeah, having someone and who that's doesn't, garbage. Seven is somebody who doesn't like horror edit Steve is It's a waste of everyone's it's time. It's a waste of everyone's time. And money. And well yeah. let's not forget I mean the point yeah. is to make that this should be a profitable venture, right? Like Correct. that's the goal for most of us anyway. Um you, there are a lot of there are a lot of ways to find an editor. Um I, I would always start with recommendations. If you if you read a book or a genre or know an author um, that you that, whose opinion you highly value. Say, hey, who might be good at this, f- doing this for me? But you should have a face to face. Like I do Zoom calls before anybody hires me. Um, they look at my website. You can get to know an editor a little bit by that. But um, some of the projects we work on have NDAs, and we you don't even know maybe oh. half the things that we've even done. So a conversation, absolutely communication, regardless of of anything else. I think there is one thing you should absolutely expect with an editor, and that is communication. Hmm. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's not a black box, right? You like, love that phrase. <laughs> I do. I love the black box. It's phrase. not a black box. No, we are human beings, and editors, we have our own personality, our own creative strengths, um, and our own just, you know, the way that we work. So, so research, reputation, and then communicate with them and, and make sure it feels right that this is somebody that you can actually work with. Yeah. And, and I've, it's weird, but I've been hired several times just because of the, the way, because of my website, because of the way I write my hmm. descriptions on my website. Interesting. I, that's how I feel. Huh. Huh. That's Not a, even that's a conversation. A, that's like, an interesting no, I know data the point. I want. And I was just like, okay, weird, but cool. All right, yeah. hey, I'll take it. Yeah. 
That's interesting, actually. It is. I don't know. See, because it's... Uh, um, Unexpected. I was weird. When, so when I started out and I did my first self-published novel... Did you almost say I was weird? No, no, no. I said, that's did, weird. Oh. No, that's no. Not I'm, not, I'm not sticking my <laughs> No, no. I'm just saying I can't imagine because... I like if like it, bear traps. So when I did my first one, I got my edit... My, my first original editor was uh, actually voluntary and accidental because at the time I was writing... Uh, Nonfiction, right? I was writing gun magazine articles. So one of the editors of one of the gun magazines I had written for, so she volunteered. She's like, "Hey, I'll read your manuscript." And just, but she's a non Kathy Jackson, and so she was a nonfiction editor, and she read it and she just you know basically gave me comments on like grammar and whatnot. And but every day she's like, "Oh, that's really clever. I like what you did there." And then my other editor was a guy who worked at my gun store, was the general manager of the gun store I owned had done scholarly editing for BYU for like 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 academic papers. And so he he brings back he prints out the manuscript just for fun and he brings it to me and he's got like 200 post-it notes stuck into the oh, manuscript wow. of grammar stuff that I had done wrong. <laughs> Because he was Bob Westover. Uh, was oh, it was Pirate Bob. Pirate Bob. Pirate Bob was uh, he did academic at uh, oh, I didn't know way that. back in the day. Yeah, so he was an academic editor. Interesting. And so uh, that so that was my first editing that I got. My first self published book was nonfiction gun magazine editor and former college academic paper editor. See, I was spoiled. <laughs> I was spoiled. So... My first my first edit was one of my very first edits was Tony. Oh. And yeah. so, like, I was like, "Sweet home run, baby!" <laughs> no, I had to like get like Egyptian hieroglyphs to figure out what a bunch of her squiggles <laughs> meant because she we, was using like actual shorthand. Yeah, we've joked about this on the show. Was it on paper? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So Tony, Tony's old school. So Tony actually, um, Tony's been doing this a long time. So she will print the entire manuscript and then she will take it and she will write on each page of the manuscript as she goes. The problem is Tony's. Tony gets in the zone, and she's a and she's a legendary editor, right? And and she's brilliant. When she tells you something, you can take it to the bank. Yes. Problem is, she'll send something to you that's completely indecipherable, and you'll see all these symbols, mm-hmm. like ancient symbols, on your paper. The proofreading marks. It, yeah. it took me. It took me longer to I look you both. up. I know. It <laughs> it took me longer to look up what the symbols meant than it. Did like to do the actual invert. edit? Oh my oh, god! I don't know. Yes. It was like I'm like. Well, and Tony's like when Tony gets in the zone, her handwriting gets like more and more indecipherable. There were times where I would take a photo, and, and I like take a photo and I'd send it like Tony. What am I supposed to do here? And I sent her a picture of like a squiggly arrow, lightning bolt thing, and she's like, "Oh, that's this, 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 and this." Like, oh, okay. And there was a couple where I sent it to her. She's like, "I don't remember. Let me look at that." Yeah. <laughs> but but also the best edit she's ever gotten. I've talked about this on the show. Best edit I've ever gotten in my life was. Up at the top of the page, this scene sucks. Make it not suck. What it was, and to be fair to her, it was she was absolutely right because the scene did suck, and she knew that I would know how to make it not suck. She trusted me enough at the at that point of my career to be like, Come on, Larry, you know this is not what it should be. You need to make it what it should be. Well, and that's part of that relationship where she knows what your strengths are. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she knows how to communicate with you to pull that out of you onto the page. And that is the relationship that you're hoping for with an editor. Yeah, that's that, that's that ideal. That, yeah. that, if you can get that, if you can get that level of working relationship with your editor, guys, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, because I guarantee she's not going to make that note for another author because it's not going to mean the same thing and have the same impact. Especially if it's a new guy that, that yeah. she could say, this sucks and it's going to hurt his feelings, A, 
B, he's going to be like, I don't know what to do. And he's going to freeze up. Whereas me, I'm like, mm, yeah, she's right. It sucks. <laughs> so a quick question for you guys, because this is something that I put effort into is I also want to know, I also want my authors to know what they are good at mm-hmm. and what is, what is effective in the story and what their particular strengths are. Like, hey, you know what? You're really good at dialogue. I think some of those slower parts need a lot more dialogue. How valuable is that to you as authors? For me, that's massive. That's massive. And, and it's not just because it's twofold for me. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not shy about this. I've talked about this on the, on the show like 800 million times. And you tell me this all the time, Christine. That's that, you know, I, like a lot of authors, I have, I have pretty heavy imposter syndrome. Yeah. And so just having an editor be like, yo, that was awesome. Um, can we do more of that here, here, and here? Because that's that right there, that's the ticket. Like that's hyper valuable for me in terms of um, like, like an ego boost, making yeah. me feel good. Um, but then from a, as the authors, and, and you know this as an author too, and, and we're so close to the property that we're working on. We're, we're so close to it. We're too close to it. And by the time we finished writing it, we've, we've read this thing 18,000 times. And, and a lot of times we just don't even know what we don't know anymore. And so having someone say, hey, this is good. You're really good at writing action scenes. Is there any way we can pull some of that action tension or whatever it is into over here? Because I feel like we're lagging. Like for me, that's massively valuable. I don't know about you. There's a psychological thing where as a writer, especially the longer you've been doing it, you get used to people complimenting your work, but they're just, they're fans, they're readers. And so, I mean, it's just a, I'm not bragging or anything. I'm just saying when you have thousands of people who've read your stuff, you're going to have people come and tell you that. When they tell you that, you just kind of like file it away. You're but, like, oh, thanks. I appreciate th- thank that. You. That's I appreciate great. It's white noise. And it, but I mean, it, it's... But because you've heard it genuine. so much. It's, it's genuine. It's but genuine. Like, but you don't necessarily value their opinion professionally. I'm not, I'm not denigrating it at all because thank you guys. I love my fans. But with an editor, with a professional editor comes to you and says, okay, I see what you did here. This was really clever. Or this power move or wow okay great line it's also the same thing when you're co-authoring with uh, with another author it's almost the same thing because that author opinion when that author reads what you just wrote and they're like oh dude that's awesome when you get that from a peer it's it's a lot different than getting that feedback from just um uh, just a regular person and no offense to the regular people we love you guys you guys pay our bills but mentally um we're, because we also have a lot of regular people telling us our stuff is dumb and stupid and we also we just, it's water off a duck's back, you know, it's the same thing. But when you get it from a peer and they recognize what you did and they understand what you did, then all of a sudden they, that is valuable. It's yeah. psychologically valuable as a writer. Well, and I think it, my intention of doing that as an editor is that you should do it more. It's a, it's one of your gifts as an author. And I love finding those things that this, that an author does that are kind of special to them and that's what's going to make their story within that genre that has hundreds of other authors publishing in it um that's what makes your work yours right as well and i think some authors don't even know that they don't know that that's a thing that they do that's their own unique talent Or, or they've never been told right i mean you talked about earlier about the whole communication aspect, the, yeah. the back and forth, the, the, the constant open communication that you have. And if, 
if your communication with your editor is just them saying, hey, here's red lines, go. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, was it, did you like it? Right. Like, yeah. is that okay? Like, like, yeah. Was there anything cool in this? It's kind of like kind of like a football coach that just yells at you versus a yeah. football coach that lets you know when you do something right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Same, same exact thing. Same exact principle. Yeah, it's powerful. It really is. When you get when you get peer level advice that recognizes what you do, sometimes they will recognize a good thing that you do that you don't know you do it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we do this stuff and it's instinctual or unconscious because we're you know, we're creative people. We've read a lot of books and so we learn a lot of stuff a lot of tips that we don't even consciously recognize we do, but we're actually good at them. And then somebody will come along and be like, dude, you did this, this, and this. That's really, that's cool. And then you go and you recognize, you're like, wow, I really do do that. <laughs> and and actually, and that imposter, we've talked on the show about imposter syndrome. We've all got it. We've all had it at different times. Um, and that's a real thing. So when Neil Gaiman goes out there and complains about having imposter syndrome, you know, when Buzz Aldrin complains about it, you know, whatever it is, we, we recognize it and, you know, you got to overcome it. And so I think having an editor build you up yeah. goes a huge way towards accomplishing that. I think there's the flip side of that where you can have an editor do too much complimenting. Oh, oh your oh. book's amazing. By the way, it does list on my website that if you want me to send you that email, it's $5. <laughs> nice. And I will send you an email telling you how Fantastic. amazing you are. The attaboy email. You're so <laughs> yeah. great. Um, but I would be, I would also be very wary of editors who do nothing but compliment the work. Yeah. I've, I've had the edits where I've sent in a story and I get the edit back and it's like, Hey, cool. Good job. I'm like, okay, look now. <laughs> like I'm pretty proud of the story. I like this story. I know it's good, but. Come on, man. There's I'm not stupid enough to think that I'm perfect. There's, the, There's got to be something. The, everybody, everybody gets a trophy edit, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. We should make stickers for that. It's like the gold star sticker that you got in elementary like school. You got a trophy. Good for you. Yeah. And it's funny too, because it just depends on the project you're working on and how much, once you can go back to edit the money, the editorial effort. Like, so if I'm editing, my only editing I've done has been uh, basically co-authors and anthologies. But, I'm lucky in that the anthologies that I have been able to edit have been all by invitation to experienced authors as opposed to general submission. So my job is so easy. So people are like, hey, you know, this is great. And I was like, I went out and invited 14 people who've all sold, you know, a million books each. (laughs) I don't have to do much. I don't have to tell Jim Butcher how to write a story. No, I'm like, Jim, dude, what are you thinking? Fix this, this, and this. Oh, he's Jim, dude. Jim yeah. knows what he's doing. And I'm, I'm going to get a story from him and go, yeah, that's pretty badass, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, thank you. Thank you for sending me a story. Uh, you know, and so it just kind of depends. Um, I guess on, on, the, on, the, on the type editing, I, I, I got to say hats off to you, Christine, for, for, for going down the path of being that editor and being that person that's out there helping people get better. Mad props, mad respect, because it's hard. I mean, editing people is hard. It's it hard has, work. It has its moments. Um, it is hard to, to go and criticize people you like. Uh, uh, that's the hardest thing about to do in the anthology thing. And also one reason I like having a, a co-editor, um, because my, I, I get to be the name guy. And then like Casey Ezel or Brian Thomas Schmidt or Jason Cordova or whoever I'm editing the anthology with, they got to go be the mean one. <laughs> <laughs> and so most of my notes are like the positive notes. Like, hey, that's really cool. That's really cool. And they're the one that has to go like... No, grammatically, that's stupid. <laughs> as long as you balance each other out. It is. I get yeah. to be the good guy. They get to be the bad cop. Bad, good cop, bad cop. Yep. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, that's about all the time we have for y'all today. Hopefully it was a good informative episode. I thought it was. Um, I, I think far too often us authors, we just look at editing and we're like, I don't know. It's magic or something. It's scary. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so thank you so much for making some time for us, Christine. Thank you. We for really appreciate me. it. Um, and we'll get you back on there. There's a couple other topics we really want you to talk about, um, completely different perspectives on things. So we'll get you back on. Um, and well, then we of keep course, interviewing locals to us in other cities. Yeah, we do. Cons. We've done that a lot. Yeah. We're so good at that. <laughs> um, and of course for the writer dojo supporters out there and, and the non-supporters, look, if you have questions or if this spawned more questions for you, please let us know. Um, if it spawns enough questions, we'll just have you on and have you answer all the questions for us. Sounds because good. Because why, why would we want to do that? <laughs> um, so uh, thank you, uh, all the listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening. Um, this is the Writer Dojo, and we'll see you on the next one. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Do those end up being the outtakes sometimes? sometimes like those last yeah. little, the little, like, the little chaser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.